The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. We're in the midst of a series that I'm calling Agents of Transformation, and I've been interviewing people who I feel as though are making a difference in the and a positive impact in the world as far as the shift in human consciousness, helping people discover their true divinity, helping people come out of the errors of human consciousness and evolve into the heights of spiritual consciousness. So today I have another powerhouse with us today. Today I have the founder of the soul recovery work, Esther Nicholson. Hi, how are you doing, Esther? I'm wonderful, Galen. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for saying yes to the show. So I want to get right into it. But before we actually get into the questions and opening the show up for callers, callers out there already, let me let you know I'm expecting some calls. Okay. I know you all out there listening and sometimes you don't call and then you inbox me later. We have a, another expert on the call, so make sure you take advantage of her being on the show. The number is 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. But before we get started, Esther, could you give us a little bit about your background and how you started the soul recovery work? Well, I like to tell people that, of course, all of my teachings are based on what I had to, to, to grow and and learn from. And, and I think that that's what makes my teaching so powerful is I've, everything that I teach, I've had to do to save my life, to come, to come into conscious contact, um, with spirit so that my life could be saved. Because several times in my experience, my life has been in jeopardy, not only spiritually and emotionally, but physically. And, um, you know, Bill Wilson, founder of Alcoholics Anonymous says that we must grasp these principles with the desperation of a dying man. And so through my experience of addiction, I had to grasp spiritual principles with the desperation of someone that had no place else to go. And um, I saw that the 12 steps of recovery, um, which I was very committed to, had the power to address certain issues, clean me up, get me up off the floor, uh, rearrange my consciousness uh, if you will, to a certain degree, but did not have the power to address really deep childhood trauma, um, uh, traumatic uh, issues, or address even ancestral issues. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we have issues that we just keep recycling um, over and over and over again, you know, even after working the steps and all of that. And it was like, God, I have to, you know, this is not working at this level. And so then I got in, involved with metaphysical teachings and came to into the understanding that my father and I are one and and all of that, but of course understanding that and embodying that are two different things. And and so that the even though the principles are perfect, sometimes the teachings, the the way the principles are taught 
don't allow you to address deep emotional issues. So I had to find a way to bridge the gap of these two very powerful teachings to bring me more into my complete wholeness than either of those teachings could do alone. So that's soul recovery. All right, all right. So in the midst of of working with uh, spiritual principles, and I, you know, obviously, you know, we know each other. So I wanted to know what aspect of studying, for instance, New Thought helped support the 12-step process. Well, for instance, in the 12 steps of recovery, the first step says we admit that we are powerless and that our lives have become unmanageable. And I invite the audience to to fill in the blank. You know, in the book, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says we admit we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. But even though your addiction may not be life threatening, it might be life diminishing. So I want you to fill in the blank, even though I'm I, I admit that I'm powerless over procrastination. I admit that I am powerless over fear and worry and doubt. I admit that I'm powerless and my life has become unmanageable. And in our new thought movement, the word powerlessness has has kind of become a bad word because you know, we are under the belief that affirming anything that we do not want to experience in our lives is of course not not a great thing. And I agree that admitting powerlessness from a place of unworthiness and victimhood and not enoughness, that that's not the place that you want to admit powerlessness from. But when you can admit powerlessness from the consciousness of Jesus the Christ when he says, of myself, I can do nothing. When you can admit powerlessness from the consciousness of I have tried everything to heal whatever situation you happen to be in. I have gone to every workshop. I've read every self-help book. I've done everything. And this situation is not shifting within my consciousness. And it is from that place that we admit, you know what? I of myself can do nothing. I am powerless. And this, this creates, this, this allows the ego sense of power, the five senses to get out of the way enough so that you can now tap into the infinite power. You know, you know, you cannot be a house divided. You can't think that your 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 small power, your your finite power can can do it and you're all up in the way. You got to get out of the way so that you can make that conscious connection with the infinite power that can now do for you what you can't do for yourself. Okay. So, in the midst of of talking about powerlessness because actually being a new thought minister for so many years and having discussions with people who are a part of the AA or NA programs, one of the things that come up is that very thing that you mentioned. And what I try to do is tell people, obviously, affirm or say things in a way that validates your soul, but understand that that step is really a surrender step. Yes, And absolutely. And when we look at it from the standpoint of surrender, it looks – it gives them an opportunity to look at it differently. Yes. Because, you know – I tell people this in my classes all the time that in life you can surrender the spirit or you can learn the hard lessons. I said the reason why surrendering the spirit works when you've had your behind whooped through uh, in life is because surrender works. Now you can surrender on the front end and not go through a lot of these whoopings or you can uh, surrender on the back end, take the bumps and the bruises of life, learn through the harder experiences, surrender, and it still works. Right. The issue is surrender works. <laughs> well, I, I, I say I state in my book that surrender is not hard. Surrender is blissful. It's yeah. it's the resistance to surrender that kicks our butts, mm-hmm. and we are resistant to surrender because we're not we're we're more addicted to that which is familiar more than we're actually addicted to the thing that we think we're addicted to, you know? And so, and, and the thought of surrendering to something that we, you know, can't see the proof of in the moment and we don't know what's on the other side of it, you know, can be pretty scary. Transformation is, is, is scary. You know, when the caterpillar is going through that mushy stage of turning into the butterfly, you know, it's like, what have I gotten myself into? I want to stay a caterpillar because this is too hard. 
you know, so it's the resistance to surrender. And so we, you know, some of us, you know, we can raise our bottom or we have to be at, at whatever level we're, we're, we're at. You know, some of us have to get beaten up pretty badly to say, I of myself can do nothing. I am powerless over this. I of myself. I admit personal powerlessness. So that's another way of looking at it. I admit personal powerlessness, ego powerlessness over this situation. And I surrender to the infinite power within me that can do for me what I can't do for myself. Um, but there comes a time after you've gone through those experiences enough that you don't have to get beaten up quite so badly because you understand what's happening. You understand that you're admitting powerlessness because something amazing is seeking to emerge through you now. It's time to go through another birthing stage. It's time to go through another growth stage. And and it can be nothing but absolutely beautiful. But sometimes you have to go through that several times before that clicks in. It's like, oh, you know, because now, you know, when I'm getting ready to go through another growth spurt, I'm like, oh, okay, God, I'm listening. Uh, I'm not going to be hard-headed about this. Um, whatever you want me to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's, it's kind of funny. Um, H.M. Lee Katie talks about in Lessons in Truth about chemicalization and how the, you know, when, you know, these new thoughts, these new ideas, these spiritual concepts, these spiritual ideals encounter the old states of consciousness, the things that we really need to to give up and admit that I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But when we surrender to the spirit and then that situation happens where they start to interact in consciousness in the soul what ends up happening is we're like wait a minute i i thought that you know doing this spiritual work would would mean that everything automatically becomes blissful but you still got to go through your own soul work and i think that's so important for people to realize that um that love yourself through the process because it's a process well in the third step of recovery where it says we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand God. I also talk about in my book, because you've surrendered, don't think that all of a sudden everything is going to straighten out overnight. Because if you do that and then you find that, that, you know, everything's not straightening out overnight. In fact, in fact, everything that, is, that does not serve you is going to fall apart. And Michael Beckwith says, when it looks like it's falling apart, it's really coming together, you know? And, and, but if you're thinking that it's supposed to be smooth sailing from then on out, then you're setting yourself up for discouragement and confusion and, um, and profound disappointment. But when you can understand, yes, I have surrendered completely to the best of my ability right now. And some, and that, that's going to shake some things up in my life that no longer serve me and it might not feel good. And so if I invite people, if you can make friends with being uncomfortable and I, I wrote a post the other day, if you can know that God is just as much in your hell as it is in your heaven, then it will be much easier to go through that, that crystallization, that, 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 that crystallization, chemical, chemicalization stage. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Now, in the midst of, of of working and talking about addictions, you know, many people automatically go to uh, drugs, alcohol, gambling, things that are you know very objective. But I want to ask you to talk about addiction from the standpoint of something a little bit different. Uh, people, you know, in in New Thought, for instance, uh, people get addicted to the. <laughs> yeah, I know this might be a, a, a weird question, but I, I'm formulating and it's coming up because I really want your opinion on this. Uh, w- demonstrating beyond the present level of consciousness, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, and, and I'm sure you dealt with it when you were, you know, doing, you know, practitioner work and things of that nature. Say, for instance, somebody has. Uh, is working with health and we know the truth god is the life in your body god is the intelligence in every cell but they're not there yet in consciousness mm-hmm. yet they're trying to demonstrate behind it and the, the teaching in and of itself becomes an addiction yes absolutely absolutely and so so uh, uh, an addiction first of all is when you have become so ad- attached 
to a, a, a belief system or a thought pattern or behavior pattern that you become enslaved or in bondage to it. And, you know, it, it's like, don't, don't become in bondage to the tools. Mm. Don't become attached to the tools. Become attached to God, you know, and, and, and I, I had to learn this myself. It's like, wow, I'm worshiping the tools more than I'm worshiping the divine. The tools, the tools just represents the train that it takes you to get on. To, to take the church, to take the spiritual journey to, to your divine self. It, it is only the God presence within you that, that does the work. And so speaking uh, from the perspective of addiction, yes, we are addicted to manifesting things and we are addicted to demonstrating beyond where we are in consciousness. And Ernest Holmes talks about that, that if you have a headache, take an aspirin. You know, it's like, you desire to be at that level of consciousness where you can walk on water or where you can, you know, turn um, um, uh, uh, water into wine, water into wine and, and all of that. We, we all we're all on that trajectory. We're all on that path. But but to be in, in that place of that's what spiritual discernment is about is being clear that, you know what, I'm not at that place of demonstration yet. So I'm going to use the ladder whatever ladder it takes to get to that place. And if that means taking medication, if that means going to the doctor, uh, you know, you know, whatever that, whatever that means, understanding that that's God expressing as well. That's yes. God expressing as well. There, if, if, if God is omnipotent, then the doctor, the medication or whatever it is that you're being asked to do in this human, you know, from this human perspective is not separate from God. It's an expression of God. It, 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 and, and one of the, the rungs on the ladder to, to get you to that consciousness of you can speak your word immediately and say mountain be moved and it is moved. But until you're there, you're not there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, as you know, from a previous conversation, I call that the, the Joe Goldsmith syndrome. Uh-huh. Where <laughs> people read people like Joe Goldsmith and, you know, you don't have to, you know, you, you just be. You don't have to treat. You don't have to train the subconscious mind. You just jump to the top of the building. And when we read those type of books on, and listen to those type of teachers, we're catching them on the back end of a lot of work. You know, um, you know, you had, you know, obviously have the opportunity and had the opportunity of working with your friend and mentor, uh, Reverend uh, Michael Beckwith. And I had, you know, the, the benefit of working for years with Reverend uh, Johnny Coleman. And one of the things that, you know, listening to Reverend Coleman back in the day, she would tell you when I started this church, my sister minister and I would walk around with purses. Uh, big purses, but we didn't have any money in it, but we were visualizing the money in the purses. Mm-hmm. She was saying, I was seeing where I wanted to be, even when I wasn't there. Right. But she wasn't trying to build a, in 1956, a 32 acre church. Right. It, right. You know, she was renting space in an office building, right. uh, <laughs> not far from where she lived. Right. And she evolved and grew to that stage. And I think right. that at times people, we, we see spiritual giants and we see people who've made massive manifestations and we wonder what's going on. Well, what's going on is the same thing that Emmett Fox said years ago. There's no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. Right. Therefore, it, the new thought person doesn't necessarily, and I think that this is what I'm grasping from your work, is saying the exact same thing. The new thought person does not work on the thing. The new thought person works on the consciousness because the consciousness produces the form. Absolutely. So let's stop focusing on shifting the chairs on the Titanic. And I can so I, I just want to say to your to your listeners right now that I can so relate to that. I can so relate to being addicted to wanting the effect to change. Um, you know, and in, in in recovery, that's called the mental obsession, where you are so disconnected in consciousness from the source which is called the spiritual malady, that this creates a mental obsession where we are obsessed with getting the external effects to do for us, which can only be done in consciousness. And I remember being so addicted to the effects 
and I was reading all the prosperity books and I was doing all the stuff and going to all the workshops. And at the end of the day, I was exhausted. Why was it I exhausted? Because I was looking at the thing versus the cause. Could you because put a pin on that just for a moment? Because I want to just deal with that for a moment because we have to take our break. Okay, if we could sure. just put a pin right there. Okay. Um, so uh, we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Now available, you pray, the free prayer app from Silent Unity. For more than a century, people from all over the world and all walks of life have turned to Silent Unity. With you pray, our confidential prayer support is easy and convenient to access. With YouPray, you can send your prayer directly to Silent Unity. YouPray also includes affirmations you can share with family and friends, plus audio meditations for your prayer time. For more about the free YouPray app and links to download, visit silentunity.org slash app. That's silentunity.org slash app. Conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I have as our guest today uh, the creator of the Soul Recovery Work, Esther Nicholson. Hello, Esther, again. Hey, Galen. <laughs> hey, so before we get back, because I asked you to put a pin on something uh, before we took a break. I want to make sure that people know how to get in contact with you. Could you give them your website information and, you know, and let, you know, let me just say she's, you know, so she won't have to toot her own horn. You can, if you're out there and you're a church leader or a person, you know, talk to your, your church leaders and, and conference leaders about bringing her in to speak because this is a subject that touches everybody's life. If it's not you or somebody in your family or friend that's dealing with some level of addiction, not just the alcohol and drugs, but everybody I know knows somebody or is related to somebody who's suffered from uh, the the horrors of addiction, but also the other dynamics of the soul work that needs to be done. So, Esther, let people know how they can get in contact with you. You can you can get in contact me at www.soulrecovery.org. I also have a Soul Recovery fan page um, on Facebook. But just to just really briefly um, elaborate on on what Galen just said that my work is not just about addiction to drugs and alcohol. That's an identifiable, obvious addiction. We want to also look at the less identifiable, more subtle addictions that might not be life-threatening, but are life-limiting, that are life-diminishing. And you all know where it is that you are addicted, whether it's addicted to procrastination, addicted to fear, addicted to suffering, addicted to your story, 
addicted to anger, addicted to unhealthy relationships, addicted to saying yes when you really mean no, addicted to, to beating yourself up, addicted to not standing up for yourself, addicted to feelings of unworthiness, not enoughness and undeservingness. And if you have addictions to unworthiness, undeservingness and not enoughness, I don't care how much how many prosperity classes you attend, you're not going to be able to affirm on top of that deep core belief that that is rooted in your subconscious mind. That needs to be uprooted and and healed and dissolved into the nothingness from which it came so that you can get clear about your true identity. And it is from recognizing your true identity from that exalted place is where you can now imagine your your life and allow it to come uh, into manifestation. So I'm, I'm done preaching now, Galen. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fine. Thank you. That was beautiful. You have a caller. We have a caller online, a K. K, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Hey, Kay. Okay. <laughs> I have a question for you. You uh, touched on something that was pretty profound about being disconnected from the source. Yes. Um, just what are your thoughts on... Do we choose on some deep, deep, deep spiritual or subconscious level to throw, to make choices that, that purposely disconnects us from the source so that we can become stronger spiritually? And also, in your spirituality, what are the main things that causes us to get disconnected from the source that throws us off our path? You know, Kay, we could all so overanalyze when did we get disconnected? When did we become mm-hmm. hypnotized? When did we fall asleep to our divinity? And, you know, it's like in that allegory of Adam and Eve, when she bit into the fruit of of of, of knowledge, she, you know, it, it separated her in consciousness. It, it, it caused this, this uh, duality of good and evil, of right and wrong, and she came out of the oneness into carnal mind, into in, into believing in two powers. So I don't know exactly when that happened for any of us. I don't even know when it mm-hmm. happened for myself. I just know that at some point I forgot that I was one with God. And, you know, you can look at little babies, you can look at children three and four years old, who walk up to strangers and say, I love you, and they're so full of joy, and they do cartwheels in the middle of the grocery store, and they don't care what you think of them. And they want what they want, and they know what they want, and they know they deserve to have it. And then by the time they get eight or nine years old, you see the light starting to go out of their eyes because they're in environments in school where somebody's calling them dumb or fat or not enough, and they're starting to buy the lie. They're starting to slowly but surely embody the lie of separation. And then the next thing you know, you know, you're in resentment, you're in fear, you're in, you know, whatever those um, low vibrational ways of being are, which are not, which are not on the frequency of your wholeness. And so, you know, I don't know exactly when it happens for us. Um, I've noticed that in, in, in little children, and I, I don't know when it happened for me, but I, re- I can remember a time in my life when I would sing in front of anybody, and I was just so such a happy little girl. And then the next thing I knew, I was scared all the time. So, and I, I can't give you the date, you know, or the exact situation that that happened. Um, but I believe that because we live in this this lawful universe that nothing happens by mistake and that we all came in here with predestined spiritual agreements to unlearn so that we could learn i don't know why that is and i'm not going to even pretend that i know why that is all i know is that everything is in divine order that's what i was going to ask uh, was it some sort of a soul agreement that at some point you consciously on some level choose the darkness or choose to be disconnect so that you learn the lesson or you get what it, it, you're supposed to be why you're here on this earth i believe that mm-hmm. i believe i believe that and i and i and i believe that because we live in an infinite universe that there could be a myriad of reasons you know but i do believe that we all came in here as teachers and that 
there are certain experiences that we've had to go through in order to serve the next person, in order to serve the next person. So on some level, we said, I'll go to sleep so that I could learn what needs to be learned. So simply so I can come back around to the realization that God is all that there is and even more conviction and authority. So I, I think that that can just be a really deep conversation that can go on and on and on. Is down the rabbit hole. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate your your input and your your sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank thanks, Kay, for the call. Mm-hmm. So so Esther, I, I, you kind of covered what I asked you to put a pen in, but I still want to kind of drill down on it a little bit. I want to read this quote um, from William Warch. Um, it's in the basic book. One of the basic books we teach at Christ Universal Temple and the Universal Foundation for Better Living titled New Thought Christian, and I happened to be one of the teachers of the class, and I was going over this um, uh, before, actually on Monday, where he wrote, and I'm going to read the entire quote, because it only take me about a minute to read, but I think it's profound, and it's just speaking to what you just actually said to, the, to Kay. Um, it says, there are, however, certain areas in your consciousness where you're more developed than others. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you are very loving, yet not very patient this means you lack in your awareness of inner strength perhaps you have an active imagination but like discipline you are low in an awareness of order you have a tendency to lean heavily on your god-given qualities in which you are highly developed in certain excuse me in the areas where you sense weakness you will you will resort to emotions to attain the christ consciousness you must seek to develop your awareness of the rest of them your subconscious will constantly draw opportunities and challenges so that you may develop your spiritual gifts in which you feel weak. Mm-hmm. If you are impatient and intolerant, you will continually be confronted with challenges asking you to grow in your awareness of inner strength. If you are willful and manipulating, you will draw your opportunity to become more willing. If you are angry and unforgiving, you will draw love challenges constantly. Actually, everything that comes in your life is asking you to find perfect balance. Right. Stop there because it goes on. But the part about the subconscious constantly drawing opportunities and challenges so that you may develop your spiritual gifts in which you feel weak speaks to a lot of the situation. We have this sense of separation because, you know, I, I, you know I, I know Kate kept saying disconnect, but I don't think we can be disconnected. But I think we can be disconnected in our thinking. But not in reality, uh, because we're one. But but the, this con- concept that my soul is seeking balance. Yes, my soul is it, seeking for me to come back home. Yes, and and whatever needs to happen in order for that to happen is 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 going to outpicture in my life. And you, you know, I think we we touched on this a little while ago. The moment that you fully surrender. To the, or, or surrender to the best of your ability. Everything that is unlike the life that you are asking for is going to come up and challenge you to transcend it. And so that's not because life is against you. That's because life is for you. You know, so, so that's, that's one way of looking at it, but also from the addictive perspective that we have so embodied uh, illusions, uh, illusions of separation, which create illusions of not enoughness, unworthiness, abandonment, uh, rejection, all of those low vibrational illusions that even though the 5% of our consciousness is trying to move forward, Jesus Christ said it is done unto you as you believe, not as you affirm, but as you believe. And what you really believe is is, is stored in that 95% of your subconscious mind. And so, you know, doing prayer treatment and doing, you know, your forgiveness work and doing all the, the wonderful spiritual work isn't going to clean that out overnight. You know, it's, it, it's almost like a purification stage. And, you know, it's like it, it takes time and 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 so things are are absolutely going to keep drawing you back to what's familiar um things are going to keep coming up that you need to learn and grow and and sometimes that can be so discouraging because it's like oh my god i'm doing my work and you know all of that why is this stuff still happening i know i know guys because i'm one of y'all and i've and i've had to come to the understanding it's like okay 
you know, here's, here's another layer. Here's another layer of this deep core belief, you know, that I probably came into this incarnation with, you know, uh, you know, there's something in my book uh, about, um, it feels as if these illusions are, are wrapped around my very bone marrow, you know, because you embody them to the degree that they feel real. They feel real. And uh, um, Bill Wilson says that the alcoholic mind cannot differentiate the truth from the false. Michael Beckwith says that we are sleepwalking, dreaming that we are awake. Joel Goldsmith says that we are hypnotized into believing that we are less than expressions of God. So even though we're, you know, you may be doing the work and, and, and you're really trying to move forward and, and, and come into your spiritual, uh, co- your consciousness of, of oneness, you know, it, it, it takes a moment and it takes patience and it takes a lot of self-love and self-compassion as you are cleansing and purifying those deep core beliefs that you've had for, like I said, maybe lifetimes that you were born into that environment, you know, and, and so it just, it takes time and sometimes it keeps drawing you back to it. Yes. 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 Sorry. I kind of went around and around about that. No, no, that's not a problem. That's why you're on the show because it's giving insight. You know, we can give the, the, quick precepts you know just you know just say something quick quick statement and people need us to drill down i think that's one of the functions of teachers as you were speaking it reminded me of a quote from uh h.m lakadian lessons and truth it's the first sentence of the first chapter once she get after she gives a quick introduction of the book and she says every man believes himself to be in bondage to the flesh and the things of the flesh all suffering is the result of this belief. Yeah. And I always drill down that statement because I say, you know, we start off reading this book and we run right past that statement and don't realize what she's saying. Mm-hmm. Every man or now every person believes, accepts as true himself or ourselves to be in bondage, enslaved. Addicted. The, <laughs> addicted. That's another way of saying it. To the, to the, the flesh is not the body. It's the consciousness of this human experience. Right. Of what we think it is. The, That's right. Detached from us or with a sense of separation. I don't want to use detached. A sense of separation from our source. So if we believe that we're a bond, in bondage and slave addicted to the, the flesh or this, or this human awareness uh, that lacks an awareness of our oneness with God and the things of or the byproducts of that awareness, all suffering is the result of this belief. All suffering it doesn't make a difference. All addiction, all frustration, all lack, all nest and holdings uh, is the result of this same belief. Absolutely. That's why Bill Wilson in the big book, the author of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says that all addiction has its foundation in a spiritual malady. And a spiritual malady is the illusion that you are separate and apart from your source. So imagine, you know, the wave forgetting that it's part of the ocean. Right. You know, it could never be a part of, uh, uh, separate from the ocean, but imagine for a moment that it forgets that it's a part of that, that it, that it is the ocean. You know, it would probably just be all over the place and crazy like we get. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I want to let people know, how can people get your book? First of all, you keep saying my book, but I guess people don't know that the book is titled Soul Recovery. So let me just say that. But how can people get your book? How much does it cost? You know, and things of that nature. Uh, the book is uh, fifteen ninety five, and um, on Amazon.com or you can go to soulrecovery.org and order it. Okay. I want to make sure that people actually get the book. And I'm going to say this, even if you're a person who feels as though you might not need it, this might be a gift for somebody that might be able to get them over the hump. You just don't know. Sometimes you put something in a person's space and they might not pick it up for six months, two years. But when they're ready at a soul level to deal with the material and and transform their experience, it'll be there for them. And it also might give you some insight in dealing with people who not only have drugs and alcohol, but let me just deal with that for a moment because I know that the work is a, of a, much larger than that. But I want to deal specifically with the, with those two issues because before, many times before you do, who, Kevin, huh? before you do, can I just say yeah. one one quick thing? You said sure. for people that need this, yeah. you know, 
in my book, there's a whole chapter on forgiveness, on incorporating radical forgiveness with the fourth step of recovery, renegotiating your karmic um, spiritual agreements. And whether, you know, you think you're an addict or not, I want you to look at the resentments in your life. And, you know, resentment is the remembering, the retelling, and the reliving of a painful event, even if that event is in the past. Are you still triggered by those? You know, um, uh, you know, do, do you have these agreements, these, these deep agreements that keep recycling in your life? Do you have a, a, an agreement with struggle? You know, so this book is for everybody. And I'm not just saying that to sell the book. I'm saying this because I, it is so important for me to get this work out into the world in a, from a broader perspective of, you know, look at that, those deep inner child, you know, issues that's going on with you. If you've never touched a drug, if you've never compulsively overeaten, if you've never gambled in your life, I want you to look at those places within your beingness that causes you to suffer. I want you to yeah. ask yourself, am I, am I sick and tired of being sick and tired? And is the, is the work that I am currently doing spiritually, is it, is it, is it eradicating the static on the line in my consciousness that is preventing this conscious contact with God, this conscious union with God? within my own beingness. So that's all I wanted to say. Yes. Got it. Got it. Thank you. I think that does help expand, the, expand, expand the thought that I was, that I was um, getting to because I was just laser beaming on something, a particular issue, which is people who are affected by people who are lost in their addiction, whatever that might be. You know, mm-hmm. I know people who have lost jobs, car home because of gambling or because of alcohol or because of you know things that the world views as addiction and sometimes we don't realize that we're addicted to that experience and we support it in and of itself you know that they have Al-Anon and other things to help people deal with people who are dealing with addiction and I and from a perspective of working with the soul it's a healing that needs to happen with the individuals who are around those circumstances and situations, because if you don't do your own soul work, you can be swallowed up in somebody else's drama and soul trauma. Well, you become addicted to them. You become addicted to trying to fix, to trying to fix them. So many mothers have come to me, um, to, to heal their children. And I'm like, mom, you're addicted to them. You're, you're addicted to trying to fix your child. And you're the one that actually needs the help here. Right. Right. Because your That's, child, because your child right. is on their spiritual journey, and they're not going to get it until they get it. Mm-hmm. But you're yes. suffering. You're you're obsessed every single moment, every single day about your child. You're the one that needs the help right now. Right, right, and I think that that's one of the things that we really try to get across. You know, what are you addicted to? You know, I um I remember speaking at um speaking at a church. I was a guest speaker and. In the midst of the lesson, I was talking about the practical application of uh, some of Jesus' teachings, especially on forgiveness and praying for those who despitefully use you, persecute you, etc. And in the context of it, I was speaking about some of the political figures that tend to be uh, homophobic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, in, in this particular church, it was it was. Um, a large amount of folks who were affected by that, you know, same gender couples and things of that nature. So what I basically said to them was in the application of the Jesus Christ teachings in this setting, when was the last time you prayed for, not about, prayed for someone that you thought was against your position or trying to take something from you? Absolutely. Because it frees you. I said, I said, we pray about a lot of people. We rarely pray for them, especially when we think they're against us. And we demonize them instead of freeing ourselves. So we become addicted to uh, the political figures and the religious figures who are, you know, racist or sexist or homophobic or or anti, um, you know, Whatever. uh, whatever. And that becomes its own addiction because your soul is in the process of combat against an individual. 
instead of the Gandhi Martin Luther King way, which meant you are a stand for what you believe in and the transformation you want to see, but still free enough to where it doesn't corrupt your soul. Well, well, oh, God, I have so much to say about that, Galen. Then say it. Oh, my God. <laughs> because I just had to go through a deep forgiveness process with people in my family. I'm, I, I live out loud. You know that. I tell on yeah. myself all the time because that's how I teach. Um, and I, as I was doing some tapping on it and I was doing some praying on it, what came up for me was this illusion that it was them over there and I was here. Mm-hmm. That me and God, we were over here and they were over there. And I was praying for them, you know, for their prosperity and their happiness and doing that kind of work. And then it's like when I just made that shift in consciousness to they are me and I am them and God is all. And that the same omnipotence that is right, omnipresence that is right where I am is them and I am and we are one. It just shifted my whole perspective and it's like, okay, if you really want to know God and if you really want to know your oneness with God, then I have to know my oneness with these very people that I'm separating myself from. It doesn't mean I want to hang out with them, but I must know my oneness with them, that they're not separate from me. And praying from that place, knowing our oneness with each other, that catapulted me to another dimension um, in my relationship with the divine. And so it doesn't mean that I agree with, with how their fear and how their illusion of separation is showing up. I don't agree with that. And it hurts. And, you know, from a human perspective, we get to admit, wow, ouch, that hurt me. That hurt me. And, and then coming back into the oneness of spirit of, you know, when I'm in my lane and my oneness with the divine, no hurt, no harm can come nigh my dwelling place. And so we find ourselves vacillating in and out of oneness with God into our, you know, human incarnation, back into our oneness with God. And all of that is cool. Forgiveness is a process. The thing is, stay in the process with the intention of, you know what, I want to know my oneness with God more than I want anything else. And even though this is uncomfortable for me to forgive those that I feel have done me harm, I am so willing to do whatever it is that needs to be done to know my oneness with God. And when I know my oneness with God, they are no longer they or them. We are one. Yes, yes. Before I came to Christ Universal Temple, my mom used to come here for years um, with the previous location that was actually um, like a block and a half from my grammar school <laughs> and in the <laughs> neighborhood I grew up in. It was like right there for me, but, you know, I wasn't ready for it at the time. But um, when I first heard her on tape, she was teaching about safety. And she said the gist of what she said was, if you see some people coming down the street and they're looking kind of funny, and that was her way of saying dangerous, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she said, realize that God will never do anything to harm himself. Mm-hmm. And that was like mind boggling mm-hmm. to me at the time. Mm-hmm. But she was saying, if you know that you're a unique individualized expression of God and you you can function at the level where you realize that they are individualized expressions of God, this is only a God and God interaction, then even if they wanted to do something, they can't, they'll be compelled not to because God can only give what God is. If I abide and, in the word and the word abides in me. Yes. Abiding, and, but if you're abiding in the word, that's right. if you're abiding. And, you know, Maya Angelou uh, in her interview with Oprah said, when I'm not centered, I'm in danger and I'm dangerous. Right. When I'm not centered. So, you know, I, 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 I get that, that what your mom was saying is that if you are in your conscious union with the divine where it is activated as the activity of your consciousness, no hurt, no harm, no danger can come nigh your dwelling place. However, we were just talking at the very beginning of our talk, 
Galen. You can't demonstrate beyond where you are in consciousness. And Absolutely. you have to have that listening ear, too. That if you're walking down the street, you see someone funny, and your intuition is saying, I need to move. I need to get out of the way. You need to listen to that, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's where where people miss the boat. Yeah. I tell people all the time because people love absolute answers. And my only <laughs> absolute answer is turn within to the Christ within. That's right. Turn within to the spirit of God in you, your true spiritual nature, because that's always right. That's you know, right. people want to say, OK, if you tell me what to do in this situation or tell me what to think or tell me what to affirm or tell me what to visualize or tell me what to vision or tell me what to read, I'll get it. The, and the answer is always turn within. Right. God isn't in the whirlwind, as Elijah learned. God isn't in the in the in the earthquake, but in the still small voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always. 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 Yeah. Something else. So we have about four more minutes to go. So I want to, you know, you know, obviously we do some wrap up on this, but I, but I, if. What is it that you really want to leave with the listeners today, you know, as a as a summary of what we've discussed and your work? I really want to invite everyone to really take that word addiction and to take your opinion off of it and your old beliefs about it. Just put it on the shelf just for a moment. And look at those, look at your habituated ways of being that have become too small for the big life that you are asking for. And to ask yourself from a place of humility and microscopic honesty, can I do anything about this? Have I done everything I could, even going to church and getting prayer and all of that? You know, one time I was having a a food issue and uh, I said, okay, tomorrow I'm going to start fresh and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And a still small voice within me said, no, you're not, Esther. You're going to do what you've always done because that's what you know how to do. And that, that was from such a place of humility within me of like, you know what? I can only do... What I've always done of myself, I can only do what I've always done. I can start off with a bang, but I'm going to default right back to my old habit. So look at those places where you've been trying to start your life vision, your life purpose for I don't know how many years. And you always start off with this great, you know, intention. And a couple of weeks later, you're right back where you were. And you're like, how did I get back here? I was so sure about it a couple of weeks ago. So I just want you to look at that look at your life from that place of such deep love and compassion for yourself, not a place of beating yourself up, a place of humility, and ask yourself, am I powerless? Am I, am, can I admit personal powerlessness over this? And from this place, I am making way for the infinite power that beats my heart without any advice from me, that, be, that breathes my breath without any input from me, to lead me and direct me to perfect right action to get even closer to that part of myself that is God that makes the crooked places straight and that perfects everything that concerns me. But you, you can't heal what you won't acknowledge and you can't acknowledge what you're not aware of. So this week, I want you to just put aside everything you think you know and to look at those places that you keep recycling year after year after year. And I know that if you do that, that some good things will happen. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and, and, and buy the book and do the process as well. Amazon.com. <laughs> or go to our <laughs> website and get the book. Because it's, it's always easier to have a guide through the process that helps. I'm, you know, the teacher, the inner teacher is always the teacher. But it's yeah, always it's good to have some outer process. material that can help guide that process. It's a 12-week process. It's, it's called Soul Recovery, 12 Keys to Healing Dependence. And, it's, and it takes you week by week from the first step to the 12th step from a metaphysical perspective. Sounds like a plan. So 
I want to remind everyone that it's beginning in April, I'm going to start teaching the book How to Have Unexpected Income by John Wolcott Adams. So I'm giving you an opportunity to get the book in advance so no one can say, I didn't know. Get the book. Make sure that you get check that out. Um, so I got that out the way. And we're running out of time for the rest of my stuff that I was going to say. But thank you, Esther, for coming on uh, to show. This was wonderful. I think it was impactful. Um, you know, for those who are listening, remember that you can go on the website later. They'll post it sometime later tonight in a few days. It'll be on iTunes and Stitcher uh, Radio, the app for Android phones. Share it with people. Talk about it. Listen to it again and make sure that you get your breakthrough because you're already one with God. We just have to wake up to who we are. Absolutely. Thank you, Esther. Thank you, Galen. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye, my and friend. With, and with that, we'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. with childlike wonder what is the nature of god who is jesus what is the christ how do we know what we know when you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical intangible aspects of life you are on some level a student of metaphysics new from unity house and nearly five years in the making heart-centered metaphysics a deeper look at unity teachings is now available this is paul hasselbeck author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on Shop. Look at those closest to you, your family, your friends, your co-workers. The people you spend the most time with can tell you much about yourself. How? One way is that quite often what we see in others is, in some way, a reflection of something within ourselves. What we most admire in another may be a quality we possess but have not yet recognized. It's also true that what we dislike most in another may also reflect some trait within ourselves that we aren't aware of. Whether our response to them is positive or negative, other people can serve as mirrors to teach us about ourselves. Look with new eyes at the people around you. Chances are, all of the behaviors and attitudes you see in them contribute to the way you show up in the world. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. 
My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.